The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC and welcome to those of you online at two weeks away. Two weeks, Father's Day, man. We're going to be together and uh, I'm not sure right now. Like There's a lot of energy in the building this morning and I'm not sure if... That is due to you guys having some pent-up like energy and just wanting to express yourselves, or if, is it because Molly is upstairs today? <laughs> Molly was bringing some energy. That's encouraging, man. I'm learning to worship from her, and thank you for all of you guys who, who participated, and for those of you online uh, joining us. I, I have certainly enjoyed the Lion series. The Lord has stretched me in it and taught me a lot of things. And uh, it sort of was rooted and came out of Amos um, that there is a famine in the land, a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. And so it's important that there's not a famine of hearing the word and receiving the word. And, and the Lord, you know, he says to raise up reliable men and entrust the church to them. And, and the people, are, like we're all preachers of the gospel. And we've sort of came to this place in the church where there is the preacher of the gospel, and he's my preacher. Um, and I think there's some good uh, to that, there's some health to that, but it can become a very unhealthy thing where he's the singular voice um, within the, the, the church, the local body, the local fellowship. And to be honest with you, in my last ministry in Oklahoma, I spent, you know, I've only had pastored two churches, this being my second. Um, I primarily was the teacher and preacher, and occasionally there would be others or guest speakers. But I primarily was uh, the voice that, that was speaking. I put a lot of pressure on myself, even thinking that I had to preach every time because um, the people expected me to. And, and they might be let down if I didn't do it. And it was just fo a foolish way to think. And I've, I've learned a lesson. Um, I learned a lot about gardening. I think that's why Jesus talked a lot about it. And so when you plant corn, it's really important that you don't plant a long row. It's better to plant a lot of short rows. And the reason is, is because corn, it pollinates itself. And so the closer and the more dense the plants are to one another, they can pollinate one another. So it's very powerful for me um, to sit in the audience and be taught from another. I love the fact that the Lord sent us Shea. He's a great teacher of the word. And I'm encouraged when he teaches. And we've had others in the past um, that have, have taught from the word. And so I've been walking with a group of guys uh, in discipleship, and we're trying to be a lot more intentional about that as a body of believers. And uh, so this, this month, you're going to hear from a couple of guys that I've been walking with uh, that are going to be bringing the word. And then next month, we, we have some other special um, speakers that we, we think we want to uh, put up uh, uh, to bat and, and encourage the body. But just know, man, like it's encouraging and powerful for me when I experience that, whether it's shade teaching um, or it's, it's one of the other lay people in the church, I am very energized and encouraged and challenged by it. And so this week, I'm going to ask Mike to go ahead and come on up. Mike, uh, he came to the church, uh, I don't know how long ago it's been, but I remember when, when you came, and we've been walking in discipleship together. And I remember being downstairs, and uh, you were talking a little bit about some, uh, you know, where your church experience was, kind of your uh, experience has been in larger churches. And I pretty much laid down the gauntlet and said, bro, we are not that. We need help. And, and, and you, I think you felt that. I didn't realize how much you felt that in that moment. But I want you and Jen and your family to know that you've been a help. And we're encouraged by that. And we're encouraged for you to bring the word. So, so bless us with the word today, bro. Thanks, Jimmy. 
If we could uh, get started with a word of prayer here real quick. Heavenly Father, uh, as the song just said, you made a way where there was no way. And I know you'll do it again. And I've seen that so many times in my life, Lord. And, uh, and I just, the one thing I ask today, Lord, is that you have less of me on this stage and much more of you. And that's the only thing that matters. So uh, as we look into the word of Hosea today, Lord, just uh, pray that your words come through uh, loud and clear and that uh, the men and women here and, and at home are just enriched by that and lifted up. And I ask this all, uh, Father, in your name, amen. So, yeah, so Jimmy asked uh, Peter and I to speak in our discipleship group, and, uh, and, and that was a couple weeks ago, and it, this has been a strange journey for me, and, uh, and I'm gonna share why. Because the only thing that Jimmy gave us as, as a roadmap was to talk about how the lion is moving in our life. And, um, and so for me, I started having flashbacks and, uh, and, and going all the way back to me in five years old. And, and I, um, uh, I accepted Christ when I was five years old on Halloween night. Uh, my mom, who's watching at home, hi mom, uh, helped me through that prayer. And I was raised in a, in a godly home. I was uh, raised to go to church. I was raised to, uh, I went to a Christian high school. And, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I felt I was very strong in my faith. And then as a young adult, uh, I decided that I, I knew better than God. Um, I never turned away from God. I never uh, doubted that God existed. Uh, I just liked my plan better than his. And so I hid from God, and, and I ran from God. And you'll hear some of that today. Um, and, and really what that was was that was my ego. Um, I wanted to be wealthy. I wanted to uh, have everything I ever wanted. And I felt the only way to do that was to work harder and not be home as much and to uh, focus on what I wanted rather than what God was clearly trying to call out in my life. And the good news is um, that God is very patient. And, uh, and just as good a news is, so is my wife. Um, and so God knew that I was struggling with ego. I was struggling with ego in a significant way. And he did several things that really uh, humbled me and, and really brought me back. Uh, I was a prodigal son. And, uh, and, and he said, it's okay, come on back. And so... Um, the reason I said this has been, the last couple of weeks have really been a journey is that when I did come back to the Lord, um, I enjoy public speaking. I, I love being on stage. And, and instantly, as soon as I came back to the Lord, I was looking for those opportunities. I wanted to be on stage preaching. The problem was is that it still was about me, and it wasn't about Jesus. It was about I thought I would do a good job. I thought I would bring a good message. And so the Lord found other outlets to use my talents, um, teaching junior high Sunday school, working with kids, um, but he never put me on this stage. And, and I really genuinely believe he did that for a reason. It's because I wasn't ready, and the Holy Spirit needed to work in me. And so that's why you heard me talk about less of me. Um, this message today has nothing to do with me other than I need everything that Jesus has in this word. And so... Um, and I just got out of my notes, which is awesome. <laughs> so, um, 
So I don't have the ability. I used to think I had the ability to come bring it on stage. I don't have that ability. I don't have the right words. Um, I have to trust in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so, um, and what's really cool, so when Jimmy started talking to us about this, um, <clears throat> originally the thought was maybe, maybe uh, Peter would do Hosea 13, I would do Hosea 14. So I really started digging into Hosea 14, and I know Jimmy left off with 12, and so I don't, I don't want to skip 13 because I think there's some really uh, important stuff in there about the Lord's anger and, and um, how he was doing <clears throat> excuse me, everything he could to bring Israel back. But I think 14 is just so beautiful. And, uh, and so I want to read that um, here. Uh, and I want to start with uh, verses 1 through 3. It says, uh, Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. And uh, so what's interesting here is God's talking about reconciliation, right? He's talking about bringing Israel back. And so we just spent 13 chapters with Hosea and the Lord talking about how bad Israel's been, how unfaithful they've been, how disobedient they've been. And even through all of that, they wrap this chapter up with, but I still love you and I still want you back. And, uh, and so, um, but what's even cooler was the first time I read through this, I, I, I didn't pick it up, and it really took me a number of times rereading this, but this is the message of salvation in the Old Testament. And uh, what's cool is Jimmy's shared this several times in the Lion series about how the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's all just one beautiful tapestry. And when you think about it, it's talking about using their mouths as an offering um, to the Lord, not sacrifice. Um, and so... When you break down the prayer, when you think about what, what God said, right? He said, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall, right? He's saying, come back to me. Come back and repent. Um, and then what he's saying is a person needs to say, forgive our sins. We will be obedient. Welcome us so that we can abide in you. And in, in that abiding, we can bear fruit for the kingdom. And, and at the end, it's only you can save us. Right? Man can't save us. They're talking about Assyria and war horses. Um, you are the only God. And then it ends with something really cool. We are orphans in need of a heavenly father. And so uh, Jimmy talked about in the Old Testament, it doesn't talk about um, God being the father as much. But, I mean, this really paints that clearly in that he looked at them as, as orphans. They needed that salvation. They needed that forgiveness. And there's a couple other verses that really tie directly into that, one in the Old Testament and one in the New, and it just keeps that narrative going. Um, 2 Chronicles 7, 4 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. And that's God just talking about that, come back to me, right? He just keeps saying, come back to me. 
And obviously in 1 John 1, 9 in the New Testament, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it just continues that same story. Um, and going back to verse two, uh, God says, we may offer the fruit of our lips. And so when you think about that, what's interesting is it really ties directly into Jesus's teachings. Um, and it ties into our need to abide in him in order to bear that fruit. And so God's saying, hey, you have to repent, you have to come back, you have to for, you ask for forgiveness, um, and in that will be fruit from your lips, in that, the, that will be your good works. Um, and so in John 15, um, there's two verses. In verse four, it says, abide in me, and this is Jesus talking, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, when it, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so when thinking about that, God's talking about them bearing fruit from their mouth, and Jesus is saying, you can't do that without me. You can't do that unless you abide in me, unless you rest in me, unless you obey me. And, uh, and then later in John 15 and verse 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And so again, just tying in the fact that Jesus is saying that fruit means nothing unless it's through me, unless you're bringing it through me. And so the first uh, main point um, is in order to run with the lion, you have to slow down and abide in him first. And, uh, and as you can tell, I'm, I'm a runner, uh, <laughs> uh, a slow jogger at best. Um, but when you think about running, right, uh, you don't sign up for a marathon and just go do it, right? There's preparation, there's practice. The day of that marathon, the day before, there's rest, right? You have to know the map, you have to know where you're going. And I think it, it, it's so clear, in order to run with the lion and keep up with the lion, um, he'll give you the path, he'll lead you, but you've gotta be rested, you've gotta be abiding in him, you've gotta be listening to his word to know where he's taking you. And, uh, and so that's the first big point here. And then continuing through Hosea, as we jump into the next three verses here, uh, verses four through six says, I will hear their waywardness and love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel, he will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow, his splendor will be like an olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar of Le Lebanon. And so when you think about that, it starts with I will hear their, heal their waywardness. And so um, the Hebrew word for waywardness is meshuva. Uh, and I mispronounce, I'm sure it's mashuva, uh, which means to backslide. And so what God is saying is, I will heal you from backsliding. I will heal, heal you from falling back into sin. And, um, and I will love you freely. Uh, he's saying, I, I will rescue you from this sin. I will keep you from this. And my love will, will be uh, unending. Uh, <clears throat> and Charles Spurgeon said something interesting. Uh, he said a lot of really interesting things, but one of them that he said was that God doesn't look at us like convicts in our sin. Um, he looks at us like patients, and we need to look at him like the physician, um, and that God is here to heal. Um, he's not here to convict us. 
And, uh, and so he talk, God talks about his anger turning away from them, and he'll be like the dew to Israel. Well, when you think about Israel being a desert land and not receiving a lot of rain, right, the dew was really important for vegetation to grow. And so God is saying, like, hey, I'm going to be that extra covering for you. I'm going to help you through uh, what you have going on. Um, and then when you think about a lily and you think about a, an olive tree, um, these are, you know, God's talking about, I'm going to take you from death and resurrect you to life, right? I'm going to bring you back like the lily. And lilies grow in thorns. They grow in rough area. And uh, when we think about us being the light of the world and the salt of the world, right, how, how much more powerful do those metaphors make and, and tie in together? Um, you know, Jesus even talked about lilies in Matthew 10 when he did the Sermon on the Mount. And so just talking about the importance of that life, that vitality, that he can, um, he can release in us to bear much fruit. And then olive trees are always green, and they provide much fruit. And so God's talking about all of these uh, visual reminders to Israel of what he will do with them. He will take them from death to, to life. And, and ultimately, what we're going to find as, as we're talking here is, is that he's talking about things that haven't even happened. And in and, and Hosea, 750 years before Christ, and he's talking in here about an Israel that doesn't exist today. And he's talking about that resurrected Israel. He's talking about that future state. And, uh, and that's what's really cool is that next part, he says his young shoots will grow. And this is cool because he was referring to the church. And the church didn't start until Jesus' time, right? Until after Jesus left. And so he's talking about those young shoots that are starting to grow and they're gonna bear fruit. And he's talking about those Jews that are gonna convert to Christianity, those Gentiles from all over the world that are gonna come to know Christ. And it's pretty cool because we get to fall into that category. Um, he's talking about the fullness and spreading branches of his gospel spreading all over the world and, and bringing fruit to every nation. And, uh, and so, you know, when you break that down, it sounds like a lot of trees and bushes and, uh, and, and that's not something I'm very talented in. So Jimmy can garden all he wants. I, 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 I kill things. Um, but when you break it down, I mean, he's talking about our today and our tomorrow. And, uh, and, and that's really interesting to me. It's, I just find it fascinating that um, God's saying, hey, I'm going to bring you back, and you're going to come back to me. And, and, and I'm sure as Hosea was sharing this message and Israel was hearing this message, um, they were thinking like we all do, it's now, right? It's in my lifetime is what does that mean to me? And what God was saying was, I've already told you I'm gonna, this nation's gonna go away, right? You're gonna be sent, sent into captivity. You're gonna be disbanded, but I'll bring you back out of that, right? And my word is good and my word is true. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, and that continues in verses seven and eight. And it says, people will again dwell in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. And then it goes on in verse 8. It says, Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. And so... In talking about our grain, we'll flourish like the grain. God's talking about our what we're going to produce in our lives, right? Our good fruit. Um, 
And at times, I know I struggle with this, I only see external grain, right? I think about family, friends, job, money. You know, if I'm making enough money, then I'm producing. Um, but when we, abide in, when, we, when we truly abide in the Lord, um, we're producing internal grain that's gonna spread, ripen, it's gonna spread, and it's gonna happen over time. And, um, and that's what's gonna make us beautiful in God's eyes. You know, he talks about we will be like the wine of Lebanon, right, famous around the world. And, and that was something to be cherished. And the Lord was saying, like, I cherish you. I cherish you for abiding in me, for trusting in me, for doing what I'm asking you to do. And because of that, um, I see you in, 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 you know, pardon the pun, rose-colored glasses, right? Thinking about wine. Um, so we'll be beautiful in, in the Lord's eyes based around our ability to, um, to come back to him, our ability to abide in him. And then he talks about, uh, you know, the Ephraim, what more do I have to do with idols? And, uh, and he's not talking about just the little trinkets that they were making, right? Um, earlier he talks about, um, the, no, I will say our gods and the things that we have made from our hands. But he's talking about everything um, idol-based is someday gonna pass away. The Lord's gonna remove that from us, right? The television that steals our day. Um, I know it steals mine, right? That car, the new car that our neighbor gets that we covet. Um, you know, and, and when we think about those things, um, you know, work is an idol. Work can be an idol. Man, if I just, if I work that extra hour today, yeah, I know my family needs me, but, but I, I gotta make that money. I gotta get that project done. And what the Lord is saying with that is, is that what more do I have to do with idols, Ephraim? It, it, the Lord's saying nothing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna remove all that. There, there's gonna be no more need for those things. Um, and that the Lord is gonna be the one that's gonna take care of us. Um, he's the one that's gonna meet our needs, not the television, not the car, um, not the job even. Uh, and so he's saying, come rest in me, come abide in me, because that's where your fruit is gonna be developed, that's where your grain is gonna come from. And so that leads to the, the second big point, is abiding in and running with the lion is what's gonna bear fruit in your life. So, so there's one more verse in uh, chapter 14, it's verse nine, and, uh, and it says, who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. And so for me, what I took out of this is that those who read the book of Hosea and see it for what it really is, which is a book of God's mercy. It's a book of repentance, and it's a book about restoration. Um, and, and those that are wise, they'll see that. Right? They won't just see God's harsh wrath and, and um, Israel is an adulterous nation, but what they'll really see is that that happens in our life all the time. Right? We rebel from God. We turn from God. And, uh, and God is always there to say, I offer mercy and I offer repentance and I will restore you. And uh, so he's also saying it's really foolish and dangerous to turn away from that path because that's where you're gonna stumble, you know? He, he makes the comment, um, but the rebellious stumble in them. And uh, so there's two more verses that I, I pulled out um, that I think really apply to this. First John 2, uh, verse six says, whoever says he abides in him, talking about Jesus, 
ought to walk in the same way in which he or Jesus walked. And, uh, and, and then John 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And so here, Jesus' path for our life, it, what he's saying is that's the only safe path. Every other one's gonna cause you to stumble. Every other one's gonna cause you to trip. I'm a movie fan, so I always think about like the old creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, the girl's running through the forest and the monster's just slowly behind. And no matter what, that girl finds that tree branch and trips over it and falls on her face, right? Um, And so when we get off the path, when we run on our own, we're gonna stumble and we're gonna fall. And, uh, And Satan's gonna be right there to remind us of that. But the Lord is saying like, hey, I'm the lion. I'm running the safe path. Like I'm clearing the way for you um, and, and that's where it's safe to run. Just follow me. Just stay with me, and you're in good space. Um, when we run with him, um, we're abiding in him. And that's what it means to run in him, is to abide in him, to rest with him, to listen, to obey with him. And in doing that, he calls us his disciples. And, uh, and so that's the third one, is just stay on the path that the lion's running on so that you don't stumble and fall. And so um, the last part of this, I, I want to come back to what I started with, was talking about kind of my journey. And um, I, I've run all over the place in my life. I, I have followed many paths. And uh, a lot of wandering ones that led to nowhere. A um, lot of ones that led me right back in a circle, like a track. And I was back to where I began. And, uh, you know, I've tried to hide from God. I have definitely tried to do it all myself. Um, I have brought big ego game um, when it comes to my life, and, uh, and God has reminded me many times that um, my ego is, is no match for his greatness. And um, so as I think about it, you know, I said it earlier, but I've been a prodigal son, uh, and the Lord's called me back. I am definitely not a Jonah, but I've been Jonah. I've been in the belly of the whale. Um, and even after that, I, I've sat under that vine and complained to God. Why are you doing this to me? Why do I, why, I don't want to do this. Um, I'm much more comfortable in my bubble. And um, I, I am absolutely no Elijah, but I've been Elijah, uh, running away from God when things get tough. When Jezebel uh, threatened him, Elijah ran. And this was a great man, and he ran. And, uh, and I am not a great man, but I definitely have run. And so even after walking with the Lord, You know, sometimes I've tried to predict his path. I'm like, oh, God, I I know where you're taking me. I'll just run ahead. And just like a little kid, he kind of picks me up by the shirt, and he brings me right back to the starting point, and he puts me back, and he says, slow down. And, um, and, And that was what was interesting about today was I wanted to run ahead 10 years ago and get on this stage. And the Lord said, no, no, no. Like, I've got other plans for you. Slow down. And, um... It's just truly humbling to be standing here today and know that none of this is me, um, and that's powerful. So how this all talks, ties into abiding is my abide time with the Lord. You know, when I listen quietly to what the Holy Spirit is actually trying to say, I'm not a very good listener, so he has to yell loudly. Um, he's definitely got to be patient with me. But that map he's laying out for me to go run on, um, it's the only way I find peace. And when I abide and when I stay on that trail, I'm a better husband. 
I am a better father. I am a better employee. I'm a better friend. Um, I'm a better child of God. And, uh, and he's able to use me because he really wants the best for us. He really wants us to blossom like the lily or like the cedar of Lebanon and, uh, and bear that fruit. And so he's always right there beside, kind of trying to talk to us. And we just got to slow down. and We've got to listen. And, uh, and when we take that time to do that, to listen and rest, um, then, then he lets us loose to go run with him. And, uh, and so that's kind of the, the big idea. I'll wrap up here um, with a word of prayer, but just um, take that time to rest with the lion and know what he's asking of you and then get up, put your shoes on and go run. And, uh, and that's, that's, I think, where God has us. So let's go ahead and end with a word of prayer and then I know Jimmy's gonna come back up. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you uh, for today. Um, thank you for this message of repentance, of reconciliation, Lord, and uh, just of that word abide. Um, it means so many things to me. Um, Lord, it means rest, and we all need more rest. And uh, Lord, when we rest in you, we find peace that we can't find any other way. And so, Lord, I just pray that today um, people hear that, that to rest in you, not just reading your word, um, but sitting with you and listening to what you have for us. And, uh, and then, Lord, we know that that's not the end of it because then you're telling us to put our running shoes on and, and stay on that path with you and run hard. And, Lord, I just pray that you help me to, uh, to listen and, and you help me to run and, uh, and to be with you, Lord. And I just ask this all in your heavenly name. Amen. Certainly a good word. Um from Mike this this morning, I, I certainly am encouraged. I know, um, and I you know we got folks watching online. We got folks here uh, on on campus, and so it's good for us to kind of assess. Um, you know, where am I at? Am I abiding with the Lord? And what does that mean? Well, first and foremost, like before you could. Uh, you know, you, you need to be in a relationship with him. So you need to be walking with him and understand who Jesus was. He's the God of the universe. He came to die for our sins. Um, he was buried. He rose on the third day. And to all those who call upon his name, the word teaches us they shall be saved. And so when we think in terms of men, that's what it means to be born again, is to call upon the name of Jesus and to receive the Spirit's power. And so the Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. He lives in us, and He enables us to walk through life. So we need to abide in the Lord. He's to take time to spend with Him. And so we're going to have a moment of decision, but, but let, me just, let me just speak of this a little bit. I, I've been very careful about the, the word the Lord has had for me here recently is... Um, is a prayer I've been praying, Lord, teach, you know, help me, to, help me to be quiet when I want to speak, but you don't want me to say anything, and help me to speak up um, when I don't want to say something, I don't want to talk, but you have something for me to say. And, and that really is a lot about what's happening in our country, is um, to be very sensitive to what's happening in the world, my heart is heavy, like it's broken, you know? Like I, I, have, I have fear um, and concern for um, the nation. I feel like it's, 
It's unstable. Uh, I watch as people, uh, people I love, and the alignment that's going on in their lives and, and, the, and the pushback like um, about, you know, as a white person, what am I supposed to be doing? And it's confusing to me because uh, I grew up in an African-American community. Um, I went to an African-American school. And don't, I, I just don't, I don't feel racism in, in my heart, yet I'm, this is being pushed back like we need to do more. And I'm not denying that there, there, there's stuff like in the system uh, that probably holds um, our, our, our brothers and sisters of color back and, and that more could be done. But as I just pushed in, you go, what, what are you doing, man? Like, what am I doing? What, what am I doing to help the cause? Well, I've, been spend, I've spent the last three decades of my life teaching people to surrender your life to Jesus. And when you surrender your life to Jesus, like, there's no racism. Like, your, your heart has to be surrendered to that. There has to be repentance. And so as I look and go, well, what am I to do in, in response to help solve the problem? I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing for the last 30 years, and that is teaching men and women to humble themselves before the Christ of the universe, to bow down and call him Lord and let him lead you. And you will treat people the way that they're supposed to be treated. And you will see people... Um, the way God sees you, and that is with mercy and grace and love and compassion. And so that's, 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 that's something as, as we look at it and say, why, why are you talking about that right now, Jimmy, when Mike just spent the whole time talking about abiding? Because that's the key. Like you can surrender your heart to Jesus to say I've been born again and never abide, and you could, you could still remain a, like a racist person because you're never submitting to the Lord's authority in your life. And so you can become bigoted. But if you abide in the Lord and he gets a hold of you in those moments and you begin to look at all the places in your life, you will begin to surrender those things to the, to the Lord. As a husband, you can be a terrible husband. Um, but as you abide in the Lord and he gets a hold of your heart, then what's going to happen is you're going to become a better husband. Because you're going to start realizing, I'm not treating my wife um, the way the Lord treats me. And you start surrendering that as a wife. Um, you could be a terrible wife and just always beating your husband down. But as you surrender to the Lord, guess what? You become a better wife, a better parent, a better worker, a better human. Why? Why? Because God starts changing you into the same thing as himself. You get the character of Christ. And that only comes when you abide in him and you sit with him. So that's the word. And so I want us to take just a moment. I want to invite you to bow in a spirit of prayer and ask the lion, where's an area that you need to surrender? It's a decision that you need to make. Those of you watching online, I don't want you to feel disconnected from this. Like, what, where do you need to surrender? Um, where's an area of your life that you've been holding on to that the Lord has been asking for? Um, where's an attitude? Where's a... You know, maybe it's your life. Maybe you've never surrendered to the Lord. Maybe you've never said yes to Christ, and today is your day of salvation. Again, I say, for all those who call upon the name of the Lord, they shall 
be saved. And so, just in you in the spirit of prayer, me continuing like to kind of lead you in it intentionally, I want you to make a decision, and then I want you to communicate that decision with somebody. Um, if you don't know who to communicate it with, you communicate it with me. Jimmy at overlandpark.cc. You could tell me, those of you who are here, if you made a decision, I want to know about it. And because that's what this is all about, is being a part of the kingdom of Christ. And so where is the Lord asking you to surrender um, in this moment and time? Jesus, we bow before you today. We thank you for your love. <laughs> ah, Lord, we thank you that you died to cure sin. A sin of rebellion, a sin of hate, all sin. You died it not only to forgive us, but to cure us, to heal us from it. That we could produce fruit, fruit that will last. The fruit of your spirit and your character inside of us. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you for, for believers um, who are nailing down decisions. I thank you for unbelievers, Lord, who may be coming into the kingdom and having a spiritual birthday today. I thank you for, I thank you for music, Lord, that we can worship you, we can connect with that. I thank you, Lord, that our minds can be enlightened and we can understand your word and it can challenge us and be the authority in our lives, that we can recognize, Lord, that what makes a better world is not a system or a government, but it's being part of your kingdom. It's like being part of your kingdom and being citizens of the kingdom and functioning as the royal priesthood and going out and making disciples that made disciples. So, Lord, I pray, like, for our country. The answer for our country is what it's always been. It's the church to function as you, the body. It's the hope of the world. And so for OPCC, Lord, I pray that we would be a people who are quick to surrender, that when you show us as we sit with you, if you show us areas of our lives that aren't surrendered, we would let go of them and we would walk in freedom, Lord, and we would walk in the authority, your authority, to go and make disciples of all nations, of every tongue, of every tribe, of every nation. And that, Lord, we would, we would, we would be uh, like a representation of you on the planet. And I thank you for what you're doing in this place, Lord. It's special. Like, I believe that great days are coming for us. I thank you for the people who are part of it. I thank you for the spiritual family, Lord, those who come to support and give and serve, those, Lord, who um, you've brought to, together in leadership positions and on staff. Lord, what you're doing is a beautiful thing, and I'm excited about the future. And I thank you that we have... Um, people that are preachers of the gospel. And I pray that, Lord, we would put action to the word and that our faith would be alive. We love you, we praise you, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.